You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, Utes get blown out at home against Oregon State. Uh, we recap the fun weekend of game day. And look ahead as Utah takes on the Sun Devils of Arizona State. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Well, hi, guys. <laughs> what a beatdown. It was ugly. Say that again. Who it saw was, that uh, coming? Yeah, it was not. I don't think it was anything any of us really expected, you know, from the fan base as a whole. I mean, uh, obviously, we knew it would be a tall task, uh, but I I did not see a beat down coming. Not at all. No, no. We'll get into it. You know, we have some pretty strong feelings, I think, of, of, of the game, how it went. Before we get into that, let I mean, let's let's have some positivity around here. It wasn't a terrible weekend all around. Started out with Friday uh, with Pat McAfee's show, which was phenomenal. Gave a lot of praise to Utah. Carried over to Saturday morning with game day. It was a great environment. The three of us went. We took our kids. Just congrats, you fans. Just another. Another example of just how great this fan base is showed well on screen. It was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, we'll get into the game, but I was sitting there and not trying to make anything political here, but we're lucky. We're lucky. Everything that's going on in the world right now, the fact that we were able to go with our families, experience that weekend, and then go see a football game. Yes, it sucks Utah lost, but as a fan base, we're lucky, guys. We are lucky to have this program. I I agree. Let's all hold hands and let's sing Kumbaya now. <laughs> I hate you, Scott. No, there's no moral <laughs> victories. There's no moral victories. But let's get into a game day. Amber just jumped on the fun bus. Let Let's all Let's all go around and let's say something we love about Cam. <laughs> <laughs> See, honestly, this is why I can't do anything on the show because Scott just makes fun of me or he just ruins everything. <laughs> but let's talk about game day. That was fun. Great turnout. When they when it got announced, I was like, sweet, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go. And as the week went on, I'm like, you know, I've been to others. I don't know if I want to get up that early. And then the Pat McAfee show happened on Friday. And I was like, we're going. Exactly how I was. Yeah, I was. I was so jacked Friday afternoon watching that. I mean, the the energy from the crowd. I mean, he was just he was he was full on like just in love with with Utah, with Kyle, with the fan base. You know, and and Ryan, as you said, it kind of, or it went into into Saturday, and uh, it was it was a fun experience, man. I I took I took my eight year old down, and uh, he loved it, and. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was really unfortunate to have such a great weekend of praise, exposure, positivity, everything for the youths. Kyle Whittingham blew, the, blew it out of the park with his uh, appearance. 
and great for recruiting, great for the image of Utah, the brand of Utah. And then, boom, felt, felt kind of like any goodwill from the weekend was <laughs> was washed away from that game. It was, uh, man, it was so surprising. I mean, but credit to Oregon. Man, they are a good team. They executed flawlessly on offense and defense. Um, Bo Nix, I mean, dude's got 55 starts under his belt, and you could see it. I mean, poised, just knew exactly what he was doing, didn't miss a throw, didn't miss a read, just was really, really good. And, you know, I mean, even even had Utah played much better, would it have still been enough? I don't know. Oregon was that good, so credit to them. But I think the thing that's just disappointing to me is just there was no fight. There was no run in the Utes. They never really you know, made a charge of any sort um, throughout that game. And that was just so, from a defensive standpoint, I think we all kind of expect offensively, you know, we're probably not going to get a ton out of Bryson. But to to do what we did defensively, that that was what stood out to me. I think hands down, Oregon dominated the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. and. I'm probably going to get blasted for this. I wasn't that overly impressed with everyone from Oregon. I was more impressed with their offensive line. And really, when you dominate that line of scrimmage the way they did, it makes everyone else's job look easy. And I know Bo Nix is getting a lot of praise. He commanded that offense. He got the ball out quick. But honestly, their offensive line and defensive line just I, to me, that's where the game was won and lost for Utah. Oregon just came out, punched Utah in the mouth, and Utah never responded. Well, I mean, t- typically when you talk about you know an offensive line kind of dominating, you kind of you kind of think and expect that's in the run game. I mean, Oregon was good, but they weren't they weren't phenomenal. I mean, Bucky Irving goes for eighty three. Jordan James goes for thirty eight. They did uh, 142 on the ground. So, I mean, it, it, definitely a decent day and, and, and outran Utah on the ground. But it was Bo Nix and that passing game that killed us. Absolutely killed us. I mean, had Oregon stayed aggressive in that third and fourth quarter, they could have put 50 up on us. We could not stop the pass whatsoever. Which is what... Which surprises me. I mean, I know their game plan, and I know this is their game plan typically week to week is quick passes, but it just seemed even more so this week. They Their game plan was specifically built to negate the strength of Utah's defense, which, which is the pass rush. And when the ball's out of his hands in two seconds or less, you can't, the, the guys can't do anything about that. But then the coverage blew on the other side. Well, and the, the coverage was giving 12 to, you know, 15 yards cushion. When, when the ball's coming out that quick, you know, they're not running typically a lot of the deep routes. So it was, I mean, they, they killed us kind of just crossing the field. And uh, really, I mean, outside, I can think of maybe one to two balls that the, the defender actually made a play on the ball. Um, 
you know, and there just wasn't a lot of adjustments from obviously if they're getting rid of the ball that quick. Yeah. You can't go after him. So, you know, I'm kind of surprised we didn't see dropping back more in coverage and, and getting in lanes and things of that nature. It was just, wasn't, it wasn't a great outing for the coaches. Wasn't a great outing really for anybody. I mean, nobody really stood out on that uh, defense. Um, Bishop, you know, Bishop did well again, ta- you know, just a sure amount of tackles, but just not a great performance from Utah all around. So how much do you guys think missing Lander Barton impacted that defense? Because it was the first game they played without him. Well, I would say the weakest part of the defense was the middle of the field. So guess who guess who kind of roams the middle of the field? Lander. Now, him being in there, is he gonna single handedly change that game? I don't think so. But he would he would have been he's got better speed, he's got better size than Fotu and Dumani, who uh, were basically in you know in his stead. So that, did it affect it? Yes. Would it have changed the outcome? No. That's- it certainly didn't help that uh, when it, when we were still within reach of making it a game, we go for it on fourth and one and do it out of shotgun and don't convert. And then we end up settling for a field goal right before the half when we probably, I think we should have at least attempted one more shot of the end zone. I mean, let's be honest. The, the way Oregon was cooking – Field goals was not going to get us back in that game. No, Mm-mm. and I, I understand with with five seconds left on the clock, I, you know, probably shouldn't have got even to five seconds had Kyle used two timeouts that he took to the locker room with him. Um, but I almost think in that situation, how far you were down, the momentum they had, you ha- you were getting the ball back in the second half. You had to take a chance and throw the ball. Maybe you come away with no points there, but you had to take a chance, try and get a uh, um, you know a touchdown up on the board, get some momentum, get things going your way a little bit, and then you come out of halftime. If you if you take that if you take that possession out of halftime and go score again, it's a it's a one score game, and 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 the mood, everything is completely different. Um, I just didn't think. Man, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't love the the game plan. Obviously, you know, and, and you're gonna have that. You're gonna have weeks where you know things don't work out well, um, and and other teams out execute you. And Oregon is really, really good. Kyle's been singing their praise. Um, with all the injuries that Utah has, it was just kind of almost probably a matter of time before it kind of caught up to us on both sides of the ball, and. Uh, you know, it, it goes to show USC's really garbage. You know, we, we all got excited nationally. Everybody got excited for Utah with that win. But I think it was somewhat fool's gold. It was just USC's not that good. And we probably we probably thought a little too highly of ourselves. I don't think that USC is not that good. I mean, they're a top 25 team. I'm not saying that they are top top team in the Pac-12. But I still think that you hang, as Utah, you still hang your hat on that win. I think that's a still, I think that's still no, a good win for the program. It was a good win, but Oregon and USC are light years different. They're, they're, not, no, at, they're not at the same level. Oh, I, I agree to that, but I also 
think that the Utah team that played USC is not on the same level as the Utah team that played Oregon. That team well, was the just flat. The, the effort that was displayed against USC was non-existent this last weekend. Yeah, it's kind of surprising being at home, game day, the atmosphere. It's kind of surprising that that's what you got. I mean, especially out of Vaki. Now, Kyle somewhat alluded to the fact that Vaki, there was something there that maybe caused him to not play his best. Whether, I don't know, did he have the flu? Um, is he playing injured? I don't know. Um, but he was he was pretty poor defensively multiple times, uh, could not keep the edge and let guys uh, waltz into the end zone. And, he, uh, and he's that's kind of his strength, right, is sealing that edge. And to your point, Scott, yeah, he got it, beat a couple times on that. It was it was just one of those one of those days where it just seemed like nothing went right. But again, you know, I think a lot of things didn't go right because of how good Oregon is. And uh, so credit to them. And they beat us. They beat us soundly. It was embarrassing. But you know what? Sometimes some good can come out of some embarrassment. You know, I think this team is going to look themselves in the mirror. They're, they're a proud group. This is a proud program. They're not going to take too kindly to that. And I think you're going to see them kind of take that out a little bit on ASU next week. Let's get into Bryson Barnes, 15 of 29, 136 yards, two picks. Um, definitely, I think one of them not on him. The receiver stopped. I think Kyle even mentioned it. The, Kyle, the receiver is supposed to keep running. Um, that on was that reception. Yeah, it was Baki. <laughs> I, I will say I, I, don't, I, I don't love the, the quarterback runs the design runs with, with Barnes. I don't mind him running, but I think he does better if it's not a design run. And it kind of seemed like, especially on fourth down on third and short, that's kind of where they kept going. And I just don't think it fits this team or Barnes. Well, if you're going to do that, why not bring in Nate Johnson? I was calling for my boy. I was calling for my boy. No, you know what? If if you're gonna do that, why are you not doing Wildcat to either Vaki or JJ? You know, I and you're not you're not really fooling anybody with Barnes. I mean, you oh. you put that you put that on tape. How many times against USC? Oregon was not gonna fall for it. They actually watched tape. You empty the backfield, and they know he he's either gonna run it or he's gonna throw it. There's no one. I mean, it's it's pretty. Pretty plain, right well, there. And there was and, one. I think it was fourth down. He was under center, and then moved back to shotgun and an empty. That was the field. fourth and one in the first half. We didn't pick up. And I just like I'm not knocking on Barnes. I think it's just more of scheming and play calling. I just I think he's better when it's not design runs. I think that's where he can beat teams with his feet. I just don't think he's fast enough. Can 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 juke to really have those design runs to, to turn them into something bigger. Now I, I'm, I'm going to preface this by, you know, obviously stating, you know, I probably don't really know what I'm talking about here, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyways. So it sure feels like Ludwig is, is just running. He's running the exact same system that Cam would, that Cam ran. Right. 
Barnes is not a good of a runner. Um, as tough as he is, he's, he's not instinctively. He's just not what Cam is running the ball. Um, on top of that, we're running an offense that does not, I don't think, I know, I know Bryson Barnes is not an eight Johnson type quarterback. He does fit the, the mold of rising better. But the problem is with our talent level, we're running an offense that we've run in years past, but we're missing two, two NFL tight ends. We're missing an all pack 12 quarterback and we're bunching, we're, we're running everything out of bunch formations. We're not even utilizing the whole field to make the defense defend the whole field. And I just, I kind of question it. I don't, I don't know that when you, when you're down this many guys, I don't know that you can be running this offense with Cam, with personnel of Kincaid and Keithy in years past, and even the running backs that we had in years past. Yes, obviously it worked. I mean, they were amazing the last few years, but this year with this talent level, I think you've got to spread guys out. You've got to allow your guys more room to create, to get open and make that defense defend the entirety of the field. And I just, for whatever reason, we're not budging from, from any deviation in years past and, and we're just keep running it and it doesn't work. We keep running everything right up the gut. It doesn't seem to work all that well, but that's what we keep doing. And it's getting a little frustrating from a fan fan base perspective. Um, when you continually see our stats against, other Pac-12 opponents. Um, but I think at this point, Bar- Barnes is the guy. Whittingham said as much today. And I don't think Ludwig at this point is going to really change the offense. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see these last four games. Well, and Scott, you bring that up. I know Kyle even said that Oregon was bringing their safeties down, really loading that box. And you have to pay for them by going vertical, and they just never did. Do you think it's because, one, they don't trust Barnes? Or is it they're just stubborn, this is our offense, this is what we're going to run, whether or not we have the personnel, and we're just going to get through this season, and next season hopefully we have some guy's medical redshirt and we make a run in the Big 12? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, Ludwig's a good enough coach and a smart enough guy that I would think if if, if he thought other there were other means or other ways to be more successful, he would do it. Um, but I mean, this way is not working either. And again, you're down to your third string quarterback. You're, you're kind of a lack of talent offensively. And on top of that, you're, you don't have a great O line. Um, from week to week, everything's changing. We've got so many injuries and shuffling and the O line is just, they're not great in protection and, and they're, they're, They've had some great games running the ball, and then they've had some other games where they're pretty woof. And it's hard. Again, if you don't have great O-line play, um, I think it's hard to be successful in you know, whatever type of offense you're running. Um, but I, you know, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know the answer to that question, but I, I don't think you're going to see a change. I, I, think there's, I think part of it is a lack of trust in – in Barnes, just from the standpoint of he he can't make the same throws that Rising can. Um, 
he he doesn't make even the throws that he probably can make that Rising can throw. He's not throwing them on time, which is creating, which is make was which is allowing the defensive backs to close and break up the play. I think I think we've seen that in multiple games this year. You're like just. He should have thrown that two seconds earlier, and it would have been a perfect ball. Yeah, and and on top of that, he he's kind of a one-read quarterback. He kind of looks at that first read. If it's not there, he's quick to get out of the pocket. Um, or sometimes he'll just sit in the pocket and never deliver the ball. And, I mean, Devon Bailey, great game. Seven receptions, 80 yards. They couldn't really guard Vele. Why did we not go to him? Why did we not keep throwing the ball to him? I mean, it is what it is. I understand Qu- quarterback position is a tough position to play um, against a good team like Oregon. Um, but I think, you know, Bryson's given it all, his all, and his all is what it is. You know, he is a walk-on. And this is, you know, what you're going to kind of get in this situation with this talent level. Um, I think at this point you're going to see. All right, what do we? What what can Utah accomplish the rest of the year? Three and one, two and two is probably best. You know, three and one obviously is best case scenario with the remaining schedule. Two and two is probably pretty likely. And then and then you're into what happens next year. What does this quarterback room look like next year? And I think it's going to be drastically different. So speaking of the quarterback room, Kyle announced today. Uh, that Brennan Rose, who is a second-string quarterback, is going to be going for a medical redshirt. I, I think it's interesting that they're already throwing that out there because he has been running the scout team. And Kyle said that he two weeks ago he was the scout team player of the week um, leading up to USC game. And, and so I'm wondering if, if he's well enough to be practicing, to be running the scout team, why isn't he well enough to to play well uh, you can't play if they want a medical red shirt he but, can't play a snap so is that what the just, second half of the is season. that what it just comes down to is that there's only four games left in the year and so why burn a year rather than get him experience in game experience that's the only thing i can think of because otherwise i mean you'd have to think that they're pinning all of their hopes that Rose is the guy next year because why, why okay. else would you do it? All right, Ryan, I'm going to play devil's advocate. If they think Rose is their guy next year, why would you not want to get, why would you not want to see in games if he can be the guy next year? That's, because guess what? If he, if he yeah, goes I, out there and in these next four games, if you give him the opportunity to say, Hey, these last four years, let's go see how he does. If he puts a Nate Johnson performance together and the offense is stagnant, he can't complete balls, he's inaccurate, just can't run the offense, then guess what? You, I, I don't think you have a choice. You can't plan on him next year. But if he goes out and moves the ball and is accurate and can you know complete passes, get a command of the offense, then I think you know your, your plans for next year, whether it's the transfer portal, um, bringing in a, maybe a second quarterback in this class, I think changes based off of what you have with Rose. 
if if I were winning him, I'm not sure I would want to go into next season not knowing what I have at quarterback. I don't disagree with you, but what's the other reason? Other than maybe they're just going to try to protect his health because maybe they don't want to risk. But if he but if he's yeah. practicing with the scout team, he's got to be well enough to. Well, and and it, play, you know so. it, it could it come it could be a combination of you know he may not be on board he may saying he may be telling the coaches I want to medically redshirt I don't want to I don't want to waste a, a year with four games so it could be a number of different things um, but from a fan standpoint I don't think Barnes will be with Utah next year I don't think Nate Johnson will be with Utah um, or at least in the quarterback room next year. And I'll, my opinion, I don't think Rising will be a Ute next year. That's just my thought. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's back. I just, I think you kind of have to plan that he's not going to be back. Um, if he is, it's a bonus and it's great. Um, but I think, I think the room is going to be drastically different. I mean, heck, Rose could transfer, depending on how things are going behind the scenes. If he's not happy. Um, I mean, we, we, so what we you're saying could. is we could have a brand new quarterback room next year. <laughs> you could, you, you absolutely could. And, uh, I mean, even if rising comes back, um, you may have, you may have, um, rising and Wilson as, as your two quarterbacks and maybe Batari, you know, I mean, it, uh, there's so much up in the air. I'm really interested to see how things go in this offseason, what kind of transfers leave and what Utah does in the transfer portal. Um, but I think Utah's got to be aggressive. They, they they need to go after, you know, one name that uh, Ute fans will know, Jaden Delora. I think he's lost his starting spot at Arizona due to injury um, with that Noah Fafita taking over and playing pretty well. Is Jaden Delora a name that you would want to go and bring in to Utah next year? No, no, and I can't believe really? in saying that. I'm disgusted no, with that. I don't. I, oh what my I've gosh! Seen is, I've seen him play at Washington State and at Arizona, and I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. He's he's a huge upgrade over what we got. He's well, mobile. I I don't disagree with what we've got, but. It, I think you can do better than him. Well, uh, hey, I'm all for better. I mean, I'm all for Utah going and, and getting, uh, um, what's his name, an old mess and bringing him back home. Jackson Darts? Jackson Dart. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, t- take some swings. I'm all for that. But, uh, um, yeah, now, Cam, I know he's had some off-the-field trouble, and I know you're pretty judgmental of other people oh, who don't live the same type of life as you. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, it has nothing to do with my opinion of him. Nothing to do no, with I, him. I, I know. I And it was just a name. It was just a name because I think he's going to be hitting the transfer portal. Um, but, I mean, do you guys think Cam's back next year? After what we saw this weekend on game day, I'm going to lead towards a no. Right? I would probably say no, too, because what? If he wanted to come back, he'd just say he'd come, he was going to be back, right? He's probably out. He and his agent, or probably his agent, is out shopping, is what I would imagine. I mean, he, he didn't wear 
he didn't wear any Utah gear in either of his appearances on Pat McAfee or game day. Um, was very careful in the wording he used. I, and again, he just may be playing it safe. I, I do think Utah's going to be have an opportunity, whether it's whether it comes down to NIL money, um, or if he's looking for maybe a pass happy team. I don't know, um, but I, I get the feeling he will not be at Utah next year. You have to be aggressive. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, what a shot though to the, to the, I mean, he, I know it, it, players of his caliber they're only looking out for themselves so it is what it is but kind of a shot to the fan base to if he were to transfer to another team yeah it uh, after all of after all of this well i think if he transfers look if he does then he does and uh, you know he gave us two amazing years two pac 12 titles two rose bowl appearances but I think, at least in the short term, long term, it may wear off. Short term, his legacy will take a bit of a hit. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But today's college football is so different. It's completely different. And just to kind of wrap this up, uh, Ryan, just to echo your point on the medical redshirt for uh, Rose, there is a stipulation that you cannot play uh, after midway of the season. So even if he played one game, one snap, one series, that that would be off the table for him. So I, it, it makes sense. So you're saying I was right? Well, I'm saying it makes sense. As a fan, I don't like it, but when you take take a step back, yeah. it, it makes sense not, not to waste a whole year. Now, I will, I will say this. In today's college football, I think the red shirt is kind of a waste. I don't think it is what it used to be. Um, you need people that can help you, and you need them. If you can help now, let's not worry about the red shirt. But again, he's probably thinking differently, and and uh, um, you know, there's two parties that are ultimately making that decision. But I'll be honest, I'm a little disappointed we don't get to see um, at least any of Rose to to see what he has. I I definitely think you do have, there is a fine line between that because yes, you can't just redshirt everyone because you're expecting them to be around for five years, but you also can't go with the Colorado coach prime route. And when you have a bad game, just tell your own line that they're all leaving and they're all going to get replaced (laughs) next season. <laughs> There's a fine line there, Scott. He's a disaster. All right, so just again, a complete beatdown by the Ducks. Every phase of the game. That it's been weird. That hasn't happened a lot under Kyle Winningham. Hopefully it doesn't happen again, at least for another decade or even longer than that. Uh but that's gonna be our thoughts on the game. Let's let's move on. Let's get past it. Let's go ahead and and look towards ASU. Uh, We're up against a break. When we come back, let's talk some Sun Devils. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Utah welcomes in the Arizona State Sun Devils into Rice Echo Stadium. Two and six on the year. For a couple of years, this was a really fun rivalry game, if you want to call it that. Especially when you throw Jaden Daniels and his family and his mother <laughs> into it. it. It was his a, mom and his credit card and her credit cards. It was pretty chippy um, over the last couple of years, but definitely not the same Sun Devil team uh, that Utah has seen in the past. Again, a two and six on the year, coming off a big win, probably their best win of the season. Uh, against Washington State. Utah's got to get this win, right, fellas? If Utah struggles and does not does not get this win, this season will unravel extremely quick. And it will it will end up being a pretty ugly year, which is which would be very disappointing with what they've fought through to this point and really the the record that they have at this point. So this is an absolute must win. Now, Arizona State, kind of the laughing stock early on. But Kenny Dillingham has them playing a lot better. And they, they've they've been hit with the injury bug. I mean, they've been down to their four-string quarterback as well. Mm-hmm. And their, fourth, their third and fourth-string quarterbacks have proven to be a heck of a lot better than ours. And uh, so that's fun. Um, but... <laughs> They, and they can score points. They're going to give up points. So, you know, Utah and, and Barnes should be able to put some points on the board, get into the high 20s, th- low 30s, um, should be very doable in this game. But the defense has got to show up, and I think they will. I mean, I, I just don't see these guys playing two really poor performances in a row. Arizona State, they're playing well, but they don't have the sheer talent that an Oregon does. So. Um, but I saw today, you know, Utah is on upset alert because this, this is the type of team who has nothing to lose, um, could come in if Utah's not ready and, and spoil it. You know, you know I was surprised that, like, like you said, Scott, they started the season pretty poorly, but went up to Washington and played a really tough game up there. Um, we're in it till the very end. and then pretty much manhandled Washington state this past weekend. So the Utes have to be ready and prepared. And I, and I think they will. I don't think after what they experienced and we witnessed this last weekend, I think the coaches have their attention this week. Well, I think this game kind of reminds me of Cal. I think it's coming in for Utah on the schedule just at the right time. Because uh, right, you had Oregon State. You you lost that game. You kind of regroup. Uh, you play Cal. Kind of work out those kings. Kind of get some momentum. Build some confidence uh, to go up against uh, USC, and it paid off. Now this past week, Oregon or Oregon comes in, blows up Utah. Now they kind of get a lesser opponent in Arizona State. But as we've been mentioning, this isn't a complete cupcake. You do need to show up. You de- do need to play defense. They have a pretty decent rushing attack kind of gain some confidence work things out uh before you go on the road and and face a very good arizona team 
that is building confidence every week and then in two weeks against probably the best team in the conference in Washington. But, but honestly, I think this Arizona State, like I said, is like Cal. I think Utah can build their confidence back up, work out those issues that were discovered against Oregon, and, and we'll see what happens. Right now, Utah's a 10-point favorite. I, I'm feeling kind of confident about that. Are you? I'm glad you are. I'm glad, Cam. You know, let's, this brings us full circle. Now let's let's all hold hands again, and let's oh just God. tell. I hate let's Scott. Whis- Can we mute him? Let's whisper in each other's ears happy thoughts about about this Utah offense. <laughs> Cam, what are you going to whisper in my ear? How much I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we just, I don't know, right? We just got to mute his mic the rest of the way. Bring in a new third co-host here. I can't handle third it. Third co-host. Cam, I love you, even though you hate me. So that's that's my positivity, is to, to love through the hate. No. Uh, when we look at Arizona State against this Washington State team, you know, they did allow, Washington State, State did have over 400 yards of offense. So I th- And I think that's where Utah can get a little bit a confidence growing on their offensive is like I said, Arizona state. It's not, I'm not trying to be rude, but it's not the, the, the best team in the conference. Right. And that's why I think Utah can build that confidence. Now this, this Arizona state team two weeks ago went up to Washington and nearly won that game. If it wasn't for a complete and utter, I think bad call, bad, bad execution on that fourth down, they they win that game and they they upset Washington and would have given them so much confidence. Now, I think even doing what they did gave them a lot of confidence. And then the week later they go and kind of handle Washington State. So this is a team that you know we talk about Rice Eccles tough place to play. It is, but what's Rice Eccles going to look like at a twelve o'clock start? Fall. <laughs> following what just happened at Oregon. It's definitely taken some of, I think, the excitement, um, some of the enthusiasm from the fan base out. And this this is, I look at this as a trap game. You know what? These guys could totally come in, and if Utah is not focused, have a great game plan, execute that game plan, um, it could get ugly. It could get ugly. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. There's too much pride. In this program, um, I think I think you're going to see a very disciplined and a very fired up Utah team um, to kind of right the wrong from a week ago. But uh, I, I won't say I'm super comfortable. I, I'm not super. I'm not. I, I don't have a ten point favorite uh, feeling right now. All right, well, I said I'm feeling confident about Utah with a, a ten point uh, spread in this. I want to know what you guys think. So, Scott, we'll kick it over to you. What's your score and who do you got? Um, before we do that, though, I do I do want to, uh, um, you know, offer a public apology to Cam. You know, here he is trying to throw out positivity. And, you know, I was just not letting that happen. So from the bottom of my heart, Cam, I want to issue an apology. This is so fantastic. What? <laughs> I'm a, now I'm offended, Cam. Yeah, there's, there's, you don't hear the sincerity in his voice? There's none. You know what? 
It's because you're looking at my face instead of looking at my heart. Gosh, just give us your score. <laughs> so, you know what? In, in the wise words of Dabo Sweeney, don't let expectations exceed appreciation. Kyle Whittingham, we appreciate you. Cameron, Cam, Cameron, we appreciate you. Before you give your squad, I did want to mention, I totally forgot to bring this up. Can we give credit to Kyle and the players for talking to the media after that loss? They didn't pull hey. a USC. And no excuses made. You know, just Kyle Whittingham. That's what I love about Kyle. Dude just owns it. He doesn't throw players under the bus like Dion or uh, or even uh, Lincoln. Dude just comes out and just says, look, we got to coach better. We got our tails whooped. It's on us to, to get him in a better position. So kudos. It's good having a coach like that. That uh, uh, it's why it's why the Utah program is what it is. So. Uh, better, better days ahead for the program, and hopefully healthier days are, are ahead for the program. But back to the the item on hand here, my pick. I'm going uh, Utah. I think Utah is going to uh, they're going to break out. They're going to break out big offensively. Um, we're going to put a whole 27 points up on the board, baby. Um, we're just going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to burn out the light bulbs in the scoreboard with all of our scoring Utah 27 ASU 10. You heard it here. 10. We're shutting them down. Morgan Scally and the defense. They're going to have, uh, they're going to have something to say. They're going to fire back positivity. Let's hold hands. Let's go. Ryan, where are you going? Do we need to take a break? That segment was kind of long. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, hold my hand. I'm going to go with the Utes. They're going to bounce back. We obviously don't have the the firepower offensively that that we're typically used to having, but I think uh, ASU's defense will allow us to put a few more points on the board. A few more than six. Uh, I'm going to go Utes 24, ASU 14. I like how you guys are thinking about this. Uh, looking at this Arizona State team, they've had to play a lot of quarterbacks for injuries, but with that, they only have six throwing touchdowns on the year with nine interceptions. They want to run the ball. Because obviously they can't throw it. Utah defense, they're going to step up, have a big game. There will be a defensive touchdown in this game. I'm calling it right now. By who? By who, Cam? Bishop. Bishop's going to get a pick six. I like it. I like it. Had those NFL stats. With this offense, they're going to be able to run the ball. Arizona State giving up close to 350 on the ground. That's gonna. That's where Utah wants to be. Utah wants to run that ball to open up the passing game, the throw game for Barnes. But I think Utah's got this thirty to fourteen. Ooh, thirty on the board. I'm okay, drink, now I'm, we're, I'm drinking now, the Kool Aid. 
now we're being a little, you know, like they teach you in school, like set realistic expectations, realistic <laughs> goals. Now you're just up in your head's in the clouds, Cam. It's it's got to after what we saw against Oregon, only only way is up. Up from there. Well, if we score 30 after last week, it's going to feel like we scored 50. So, <laughs> All right, I'll do it for this episode. Scott, where can people find you on Twitter? Well, they can find me the same place I am every week. Uh, that is Uteman underscore forever. You can also find me. Cam, throw, throw out there the... Uh, the Utah Man podcast voicemail phone number. We did get some great voicemails this week, um, and I think we're looking. F- you know, let's let's get some more coming in. Predictions for ASU, and let's you know after the game, let us know how you're feeling. Throw it out there, Cam. Yeah, you can always leave us a voicemail at eight zero one seven eight three one eight nine four. I, I have heard that the the, um, the milkman Tyrone Corbin has uh, is a frequent caller of uh, of the the voicemail line. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll we did, see. We did get some interesting ones this week. Our faithful faithful listener from Sweden called. He's he's the best, isn't he? Auckland or whatever his name is. He's. <laughs> Auckland or whatever his name is. Still, still I hope looking, he's not listening this week. Still looking for Higgles to call in. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter and Feather. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And as I mentioned, give us a call at 801-783-1894. Love to get some fan reactions, especially right after the game. Uh, we'll post that number again on, on Twitter. Uh, you can anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there. There, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Hopefully, Utah gets a big win over the Sun Devils. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. Hail a day. Will be till I die. Kayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.